this morning, and you would find 1 Samuel chapter 15. And as you're finding that, I would like to read two cards to you this morning. <clears throat> the first one, thank you for your prayers during radiation therapy. We appreciate them more than you know. We love our 10 Mile family. And that is from Kenny and Glenda Stoudemire. And on Monday, Kenny got to ring the bell. And so, amen. And so we are thankful, thankful for that. Second card, thank you for your prayers and sympathy, the family of Lois DeJornet. And that is from uh, Devin DeJornet's family at the passing of his grandmother. And so as always, we want to encourage you to continue to pray for one another. You're not just a number. You're not just a, a, a seat occupier. Uh, you matter. And the people that sit in the seats around you matter. And so we want to constantly be loving people, caring for people, and showing them that not only does God love them, but we love them. And so last week we were starting uh, chapter 15. We we're studying through this book and we're looking at the dangers of me, myself, and I. How I am the greatest threat to myself. And we looked about how God had gave Saul a mission to accomplish, but yet he, he partially commit, completed it. And so partial obedience is complete disobedience. And so this morning, tonight, this, the title would be the same thing. The danger of me, myself, and I, but the heading under that would be no more excuses. I think that we are very, very good at making excuses. As a kid, I can remember working harder to make excuses to get out of trouble than if I would have just taken the punishment for the trouble that I was in. And as adults, I think we do the same thing. Maybe you've ever had an experience like this. Someone did something to you that was wrong. You then did something was wrong in return. And when someone asked you about that, you said what? Well, I know I shouldn't have done that. And even if you did say that, it was probably followed with one word. But. And friends, I want you to know this morning that I believe the Lord showed me three things as I was preparing this sermon and I even wrote them down. And you can write them down with you or I can make copies and give this to you later. We hurt with those that hurt, but we don't hurt others to be healed. Let me say that again. We hurt with those that hurt, but we don't hurt others to heal. We weep with those that are wounded, but we don't wound others to find our joy. Don't miss that. We weep with those that are wounded, but we don't wound others to find our joy. And third and finally, we sit with those who sorrow, but we don't sabotage others to win. We sit with those that sorrow, but we don't sabotage others to win. You see, the Bible tells us to weep with those who weep, to hurt with those that hurt. To walk alongside those that struggle. 
But what usually happens is we usually go from walking beside those that are wounded to then fighting for them. We usually go from sitting with those that are sorrowful to trying to take their sorrow away. We usually weep with those who weep, but then we try to bring joy to them by getting revenge for them. You see, this sermon today is all about how you respond when other people wrong you. You see, this is where it gets hard. The Christian faith is simple when things are going well. I didn't say it was easy, but simple, right? The Bible makes it abundantly clear that we are to love God and to serve God and and all of these things. But it gets very challenging when we're hurt. It gets very challenging when we've been wronged. Our beliefs are easy to hold when there is no storm on the horizon. But when the storms of life come, when the challenges are before us, when the heartbreak happens to us, when the sin is committed to those that we know and that we love, that's when our faith really gets put to the test. And so today I want to show you that it's time for me and for you and your family and my family and our church to say that excuses have to stop. No more excuses in our relationship to God. And so if you would stand with me out of a reverence to the reading of God's word, we're going to start in verse 10 and read through verses 21. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told to Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself, and he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear. And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, speak on. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, And fight against them until they are consumed. Why then 
did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back King Agag of the Amalekite and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Pray with me. Father, today I come thankful for who you are. And Lord, I thank you for your word that as we continue to go verse by verse, Lord, that you know what we need. Lord, you are the one that authored this book and speak to our hearts through your spirit. And so, Father, I pray that you would allow it to first change my life before I then proclaim it to this group of people. I pray, Lord, that you would convict, work, move, Lord, not for anyone's glory other than your own. And we pray today, Lord, that you would draw us close to Jesus and make much of him. And Lord, I ask it all in his name. Amen. And so you hear this story of what has happened and God speaks to Samuel and tells him what has happened. And I want to take you through this morning and I want to show you four things about no more excuses that I believe will help you and will help me when we deal with these kind of things. And the first is this. There is a right way to respond. You see, most of us really view this in this way, that however I respond to God is right, but it's not. There is a right way and there is a wrong way. There is a right way to go or a left way to go. There is no in between. And so most of us start our thinking process the wrong way. We start by saying, there is no absolute right, and there is no absolute wrong. There is just somewhere in the middle. And when it comes to your response to God, whether it's at salvation, whether you accept the free gift of salvation that Jesus Christ died upon the cross, was buried and rose again to purchase for you, or you can reject the free gift of salvation that Jesus Christ died and was buried and rose to purchase for you. There's only two options. You say, well, I won't make any decision. Well, then you've made a decision to reject. In your walk with God after you were saved, you can either love God and draw close to Him, spend time with Him. You can either make that choice to, to embrace Him or you will make the choice to ignore Him. There is no in-between. There is never a time when you can say, I know that I should, but the Bible says for him who knew, knows to do good and does not do it, it is. You see, there's only obedience and disobedience. And so we today, as God's people, have to come to this understanding that I am going to stop making excuses in my private life. I'm going to stop making excuses for my family. I'm going to stop making excuses for the church. I have to make a decision. I have to make a decision to either choose to love God, to serve God, to follow Him, or to disobey. You see, because partial obedience is complete disobedience. 
Look what it says here in verses 10 and 11. As Samuel doesn't speak to Saul here. Samuel didn't do it, but this, this wrong deed. Samuel hadn't made this mistake. But yet God spoke to Samuel because Samuel was the prophet of God. He was the one who had led the nation of Israel. He was Saul's spiritual advisor. He was the one who loved Israel. And he loved Saul. And look what it says here in verses 10 and 11. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I set up Saul as king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel and he cried out to the Lord all night. Two things I want you to see here. One, when it's talking about God here, it's not the same sense as you and I regret. It's not the same sense as when you and I repent. You see, God does not make mistakes. God does not sin. What it's showing us here is that God, when He makes decision, when He puts His plan into action, when God is ruling the universe like He does, He doesn't do it abstractly. God does not look at your pain and look at your suffering and look at your mistakes and say, that doesn't matter to me. It is showing us that God cared about Saul. God cared that Saul had ruined his life. God cared that Saul was leading the nation astray. God cared. And God is saying, I hate this. God knew that it would happen. God allowed it to happen. But God cared. And friends, I want you to hear this this morning. God feels the same way to you. God will know that you're going to make a mistake. God will allow you to make a mistake. But God cares about the decisions that you make. He even says, I greatly regret making him king. You see, God made him king knowing that this would happen. And you say, well, Jake, if he was going to make a mess of things, why would have God made him king? Saul was going to make these choices no matter what position God put him in. Because God knew that. But friends, I want you to know that some things are just above my pay grade and they're above yours. You see, God had a purpose and a plan. God had a purpose and a plan that he was going to bring Jesus through the lineage of David, not of Saul. God had a purpose and a plan that he was going to be able to show the Jewish people, even though they failed and failed and failed and failed, that God still loved them. And so this morning, I want you to know something. Whether you have ran from God for years and you're here today and you're saying, God just doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about the mistakes I made. He doesn't care about the mess that I'm in. How could God care about me? I want you to hear that he does. And friends, on top of that, maybe you're here saying, well, you know, I'm not a pastor. I'm not the chairman of the deacons. You know, I just, I slip in on Sunday morning and about once a month and I don't, no one else ever sees me. God really doesn't care that much about my life and, and what, you know, what I'm doing. I'm just sliding under the radar. No, friends, God knows and he cares. And so whether it's your hurt your pain, your suffering, God knows and He cares. Whether it's your sin and your hidden stuff and the junk that you're carrying, God knows and cares. But the second thing I want to show you is look what it says about Samuel. Samuel there in verse 
11. And he cried out to the Lord all night and he grieved. And I want to just explain to you this, that just because grieved in your mind means a certain thing, we have to go back to find out what the Bible actually means. And this word for grieved means anger, it means saddened, it means crushed, it means overwhelmed. You see, Samuel was broken over the fact that Saul had done this. He was angry because he knew that sin has consequences. But yet he was broken because he loved Saul. He was broken because he loved the nation of Israel. He was broken because he knew that this would have terrible consequences. And friends, you need to know something. Most of us get the anger part right. We get angry. But the Bible says be angry in what? I have never met someone that can figure that out yet. You say, oh, pastor, I do. I am angry and sin not. I promise you that you're probably not. Because it starts like this. Oh, I'm angry what they did. And the first time someone asks you, hey, do you know so-and-so? Oh, I know so-and-so. Sinned right there. In that statement, you have called into question that person's reputation. Just like that. That's sin. Oh, you think it's going to get uncomfortable. It's going to get a whole lot worse, all right? Just buckle up. Well, uh, someone you love gets hurt. And boy, you, they, they, they pour it out to you and you love them and, and you're walking with them. And the first time you get a chance to tell someone else about their, their hurt, oh, you're angry for the Lord. You're angry from them. And someone says, what happened to so-and-so? Well, let me tell you what happened to so-and-so. In that moment, you've sinned. You've went from walking with someone who's been hurt, walking with someone who's been wounded, walking with someone who's been broken, to sinning yourself. Here's another one for you. Don't worry. I told you, it's going to get a whole lot more uncomfortable. Something happens to you at church pastor fails you and I'm a sinner and I do it the deacon fails you he's a sinner and he does it Sunday school teacher fails you he does and he's Sunday I mentioned this song on Wednesday night and it's a, one of my it's become one of my favorite songs by the Kingsman and it's nobody saved but me and it's a fast old song and it goes on there and it says it talks about how someone was saved and they, they, they looked around and the church people weren't perfect, but it didn't matter because they were just praising God. But then it goes like this. Brother Ed turned his head when he saw me at church. But that's all right. I don't think he was saved. He never had much very anyway. It goes on and it says, Sister Sally, she gets up there and sings those specials, but I don't think she sings for the right reason. And then it goes on and says, our pastor, Brother Ray, got in law, got in trouble with the law in Tennessee. But that's okay because he was preaching right at me. And so I quit the church and stayed at home because why? There is no one saved but me. You see, friends, heaven is huge. But most of us only think that we're the only one that's going to be there. Just think about how judgmental we can be. How much we can view people the other way. And so all of us have good excuses to not read our Bible. All of us have good excuses to not love the church. All of us have good excuses to not forgive our enemies. We can all come up with them. But guess what 
those excuses, even if they're good in our own minds. When it comes to dealing with God, guess what? There are no good excuses. And so that's what we see here. He wept, he grieved. That's the right way to respond when I am hurt or I am in sin. Listen to what it says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, as it comes up on the screen. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friend, if you're here today and you have made excuses for your hard-heartedness, you've made excuses for your gossip, you've made excuses for your pride, you've made excuses for your sin that you commit when no one else is around, you've made excuses for why church isn't important, you've made excuses for why your marriage doesn't matter, look up here, you can either make excuses or you can just come to Jesus. You can come to Jesus and he promises to do what? Forgive every single bit of it. There's not a sin you have to carry, a burden you have to bear, that God says, I won't forgive. Listen to what it says in Psalms 34, verse 18. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. God knows that you're hurting. God knows that you're broken. If you will allow the Spirit of God to convict you of your sin, convict you of those things that no one else knows about, convict of those things that you have justified, God will draw near to you and forgive you. That's the right way to respond when God allows things like that to happen. Now I want to show you the wrong way. And I want to show you the specifics about it. If you're taking notes this morning, the first mistake you can make when someone hurts you or there's sin in your life or something happens to someone that you love is you lie to yourself. Look what it says here in verses 12 and verses 13. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told to Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel and indeed he set up a, mount, a monument for himself. And he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul, and don't miss this. And Saul said to him, he sees Samuel coming, and he says, oh yeah, it's time for me to convince Samuel that I've done what I thought I was going to do. Do you think he was worried that maybe Samuel had heard from God? Do you think maybe he was worried that Samuel knew what was going and had happened? Listen to what it says here. Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. He says, I have done what God told me to do. Friends, just because you say it long enough and loud enough, and often enough, does not make it right. And friends, we are good at that. Well, I forgave one person, but I won't forgive that person. I didn't cuss out and chew that person when they wronged me, but I definitely did that one. You see, we convince ourselves, we lie to ourselves and say, but you don't know what happened to me. 
You don't know how I was raised, pastor. You don't know how busy we are, pastor. You don't know the things that we struggle with. You're right. But friends, when you lie to yourself, when you begin to to tell yourself that you've done something that you haven't done, or not done something that you say you've done, it begins lying to ourselves. And I want to hear you say this. I want you to hear me say this. All of us do it. You say, not me, pastor. I don't do things like that. When I, when I don't make mistakes, and when I do make mistakes, I don't even act like I made them. That's how most of us are. You see, friends, ignoring the sins and mistakes in our life, ignoring the hurts and the pain in our life, is what? Lying to ourselves. How many of you have ever said this? Someone asks you how you're doing, and your life is in the toilet. Right? Your life is in the gutter. Your marriage is falling apart. Your finances are a mess. Your health feels bad. And you go, I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? Now, I appreciate that because none of us wants to have everybody's problems dumped on them all the time. Okay? But you know what you just did? You lied to yourself and you lied to who? Them. And friends, that's one thing to do to be polite, right? You don't need to hear that I've got seven infected toes, the greenest fungus you've ever seen growing up my left leg, right? I don't, all right? I don't, but I appreciate that. Not the fungus, but we appreciate that, right? Pastor, I've been just so blocked up for a week, I can't even tell you, you know. Thanks for sharing, I appreciate that, you know. And it's kind of comical, not that you're blocked up, that's not comical at all. But but friends, when we do it to God, it's a problem. It's a big problem. And so today I want to ask you that question, are you lying to yourself? Are you lying to God? Because that's what Samuel did. But listen to what James chapter 1 verse 26 says. James verse 26 of the first chapter If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is what? Useless. He doesn't say if you're out committing murder. He doesn't say if you're out committing homosexuality. He doesn't say if you're out committing adultery. He doesn't say if you're out robbing banks. He says and does not what? Bridle his tongue. See, sometimes I think maybe we ought to reflect and see if the Spirit of God is in us. Or if He's leading us and guiding and directing us. Because if you're honest today, I'd say you probably have a time once in a while bridling your what? Tongue. But look at what He says after that that's so important. But deceives His what? Own heart. That means you're lying to yourself. You say, Pastor, I can say what I want. I can do what I want. I can think what I want. I can go where I want. It's my life. And I prayed when I was six years old to accept Jesus. And I'm going to heaven. I want you to look up here for a moment. Friends, if you are truly saved. And I mean this this morning. If you have truly been born again. Sin, even though you might enjoy it for a season eventually isn't enjoyable. Friends, you might be able to miss church for a season, whether it's five years or ten years or fifteen years or one week, and and and, and for whatever the reason, it's valid, but eventually God's going to begin to stir something in you. 
that says, I want to be with a family of believers. I want to worship together. I, I need that in my life. Listen to what 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 says about lying to ourselves. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we... Is that, is that not up there? That's a big word. I know some of you, you know, went to McLeansboro, but we... And do not practice the truth. There it is. We lie to ourselves. That says I was raised a gray. And grays are angry and grumpy. And so it's okay. For me to be angry and grumpy. It's not. You say Jake I was raised. That this is the what you do. And this is the way you go. And this is how. Look up here. It's not. You can lie to yourselves. Or you can say God change me. God show me. You see, this morning we have to remember the first response. All of us are going to find ourselves at some situation when we're lying to ourselves. All of us will. Whether it's about our heart issues, our lifestyles. But the question is, God will forgive us if we'll come the right way. Third thing I want to show you. There's a right way to respond. There is the wrong way of lying to self. And if lying to ourselves doesn't work, then the third thing I want to show you is we blame others. Look what it says here. I'm just walking through the text. I told you it was going to get awkward in verses 14 and 15. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, Here it is. They have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people, there it is, spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to the sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Samuel says, if you really destroyed everything, why do I hear some animals? When I clearly told you that God said to kill everything. Right there, I want you to hear this. Saul lied to himself and said, Ooh, Saul, Samuel knows. And he could have made two choices. He could have said, I'm sorry, Samuel. I need to ask God for forgiveness. I need to ask you for forgiveness. And let's go kill some animals. But he didn't. He did what? He said, they did it! They won't listen to me. I'm just the king in a monarchy. It's not like the president who's trying to wrangle the Senate and the House and the Supreme Court. and No, he is the king. The ultimate authority. What he says goes, period. But yet he says, they did it. And friends, how guilty are all of us when that happens? Well, pastor, I would forgive, but you just don't understand. You don't understand what they did. Pastor, I love, I love God, but I can't come to church because you don't understand what they did. Pastor, I would love my wife, but you don't know what... Starting to sound familiar, isn't it? Starting to sound what we do. Now, let's do a funny example because it's getting kind of awkward, right? You're driving home from church. And you're eating your Big Mac in one hand, Diet Coke in another, right? 
and the girl is laughing at you for ordering a large Big Mac and large fries and a Diet Coke, okay? It's what they do to me. Someone is writhing in front of you, slams on their brake to turn and doesn't signal. Big Mac, lettuce, sauce, pickles, goes all over your dash. Soda slips out of your hand into your floorboard. Your french fries fall over the floor. And in that moment, the Spirit of God controls you and say, well, bless Jesus, we didn't have a wreck. Now, that's your response, and that's what your mind went. You're a liar, okay? All of us go, water! Why didn't they signal? Why would they slam on their brake? And that's probably the PG version for some of you. Amen? Your kids are in the back going, we just came from church! Your wife's going, nope, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. And in that whole story, there's no, kids, I shouldn't have said that, sweetheart, I'm sorry. It's all going to be what? They! And if you went to church with them, you'll probably never forgive them. Now you're laughing, but I'm telling you the truth. And every time you get behind them, you're going to think, Oh, here they go again. I hope they learn how to hit the clicker. You see, one, you blamed it on them. Two, you didn't forgive. And every time that you see them again, that's what's going to come up. Look up here. That is a humorous, humorous example. But friends, most of us, if not all of us, are carrying that. Whether it's against a spouse, whether it's against a parent, whether it's against a co-worker, whether it's against a church member, all of us have it. And friends, today I want you to hear this. You can either come to Jesus today and say, Lord, I know it's there. Lord, forgive me. Help me. And, and Lord, do what you want in my life. Or you can say, I've never done that. Oh, no. I've never done that. See, most of you are thinking, well, I wouldn't eat a Big Mac. Okay, how about a salad? Or a grilled chicken wrap. You're missing the point. Friends, I'm telling you, all of us have an opportunity to respond the right way. And we can either lie about it. We can either blame others for it. And this is what I want you to see. Back in the book of Genesis, this is where it started. Genesis chapter 3, verse 12. Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. Verse 13. And the Lord said to the woman, What is it that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. You see, they're talking to God here. God says, What has happened? And the man goes, Whoop! Uh, she did it! And the woman goes, whoop, he did it to the serpent. Friends, I know that it's comical, but I'm telling you, I believe this sermon, I believe this issue is what is hindering almost every single one of you and me from experiencing the joys and blessings that God wants for my life and my family and this church. This issue we won't acknowledge it even when we're wrong friends when you've been wronged and you have a valid case for god 
take it to him like Samuel did. It happens. You are going to be wronged. And you are going to wrong other people. I am going to be wronged. And I am going to wrong other people. God understands that. And He cares about it. And He wants you to do like Samuel did. Cry out all night long. But friends, it goes from there to other things. And that's where we get in trouble. And the third, fourth and final thing that I have this morning is there is no arguing with God. You see, there's a right way to response. There's a way to lie to yourself and others. There's a way to blame others. But there is no arguing with God. Listen to what it says here in verses 17 through 19. And you said, well, what about verses 20 and 21? I'll show you, but just wait. And Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? You see, Samuel asked him a question, giving him an opportunity to answer. And Saul gave the answer. I did it, and it was them. And Samuel then tells him, I know what you did. Parents, if you've got kids, you're going to understand this analogy. You know which kid colored with pink crowns all over your freshly painted wall, right? There's crown on their hands. In our house, there's usually crowns in their mouth because they've ate them. Not the older ones, but the little ones, all right? Don't think Kylie eats crowns, okay? But uh, you know who did it. And you walk in and you say, now... Who colored on that wall? I don't know. I wasn't me. Lied to self. And then in our house, it's one of the other kids did it. They don't have any marker on them. No crowns in their teeth. Blame others. And then you say this. I know that you did it. You've got pink on your hands, pink in your mouth, and the crown is still stuck to your foot. Now, what do most kids do? I didn't do it. Wasn't me. It was them. But you asked them the first time. You told them the second time. Why do you ask them the first time? Because you want to give them a chance to what? Take responsibility. And friends, God used Samuel to give Saul an opportunity to take responsibility. Samuel didn't do this to publicly humiliate Saul. Most of us, that's why we do. We ask people that question so we can publicly humiliate them. Oh, did you really not say anything about me in front of all these people? Did you really not do it? Our motives aren't pure. Because friends, even if I wrong you, you shouldn't want to destroy me. And just to, even if you wrong me, I shouldn't want to humiliate and destroy you. 
There is never a time in the Bible where God loves people and wants other people to destroy people like that. If you say, Jake, I've been wrong and I'm going to make you know it, then you're wrong, even if I was wrong. But I want you to hear this. Samuel asked the question. Then he tells him he knows what he did. And this is where I want to close. What did Saul do? Did Saul recognize I've been caught? I have made a mistake. I'm going to own it. I'm going to respond the right way. I'm going to find forgiveness and love in Jesus. And listen to what he said in verse 20 and 21. And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. He lied to himself. He lied about the specifics. And then he told on himself, look here, and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. He says, I destroyed them all, but that one. So I'll, I'll own that one. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. He lied to himself and he lied to others again. And listen to verse 21. What do you think he did? Just, just, just a guess. You got it right. Blamed. But the took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best things of which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God. See, friends, I want you to know something. That's how God deals with you. He'll, he'll use a sermon to ask you, are you willing to give up that sin that's in your life? Are you willing to give up that hurt that's in your life? He'll give you songs. He'll give you Bible readings. And he'll give you chance after chance. Just like he gave Saul. And you can come to God and say, Lord, I'm hurting. I've got things in my heart that shouldn't be there. And God, I want your forgiveness. I want your healing. Help me to, to view others the way you view me. You can do that. The right way. Or you can lie and blame others, but there is no arguing with God. Friends, I want to read to you Proverbs 28, verse 13. And then we're going to close. Proverbs 28, verse 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes will have what? Mercy. I have stood up here numerous times over the years and told you that I am not a perfect pastor. I'm not a perfect man. I'm not a perfect husband. I sin. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against her. I've sinned against God. I am a sinner. You say, Pastor, I know that. And I want to remind you that so are you. We all sin. We all fall short. We all hurt people. We all are hurt by people. And so that is truth. And you have a decision to make. Yes, God, I know that's the case. But. Or you can say, Lord, I know that's the case. And. You see, friends, that's the decision you have to make today. To choose but or and. Lord, I know I have been hurt. And I'm going to forgive. 
Lord, I know I've let the things in my life become an idol and I'm going to remove them. Lord, I know I've not loved my wife like Christ loves the church and today I ask forgiveness and want your help in loving her more. Lord, I know I've not raised my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And today, God, I ask that you'd give me whatever it takes. Lord, I know that my friends have been hurt and I have been hurt and the church makes mistakes. Lord, I know that. And today, God, I have ask you to help me extend mercy and grace and forgiveness to those people. You see, the and or the but matters. You see, in each one of those situations, you could have said, Lord, I know I've been wrong, but I'm not going to forgive. I know I have been hurt and the people I love have been hurt, but I'm going to get back for them. You see, the choice is yours to make today. You can find mercy. I can find mercy. I can find forgiveness. You can find forgiveness. I can find hope. You can find hope if we'll just respond the right way. Or we can say a lie, or we can blame others. But the choice is yours today. The choice is mine today. And so today, as we come to a conclusion, I ask that of you today. Whether it's salvation, if you've been telling yourself that you're saved, but you really aren't. Maybe you're saying, Jake, I was baptized, but there is no relationship with Jesus. Friends, Jesus wants a relationship with you, not for you to know about him. He wants you to know him. Today you say, Jake, I I need relationship help. I need other things. And I've got a valid excuse. It's an excuse. And it might even be a true excuse. But it's not a valid excuse. Today, the choice is yours to choose and or but. And so, Christian, I'm telling you today, the Spirit of God lives within you and He'll show you. He'll show you gently, nudgingly, clearly, but eventually He won't quit. If God loves you and the Spirit of God lives within you, He will not quit. Loves you too much for that. And so today, if you're saying, Jake, I'm a slow learner. It's taken me like 15 years to recognize that today. Don't beat yourself up. Give God praise that he didn't give up on you. Or me. Or your marriage. Or this church. Or your family. Today, make that choice. Stand with me as we pray as Jamie and Janice come. Father, today I know... That as we walk through this text, Lord, there were hard things in there. Hard things for me, hard things for them. But God, I trust that your word was put in its order for a purpose. And so today, Lord, as we're going verse by verse, I pray first and foremost that your spirit shows people that today, Lord, it wasn't intended to pick on them. It wasn't intended to attack them. It was there for us to hear from you and respond. And so, Lord, I pray that today we would see a great outpouring of your spirit and changed lives in whatever areas need to happen. 
Father, I pray for those people who are already making excuses, lying to themselves, blaming other people. Lord, that today they would recognize that there is no arguing with you. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. Lord, it's not the Jake Gray way. It's not the 10 mile way. Lord, it's your way. And so, God, I pray that you would tear down strongholds, tear down barriers. Lord, shine light in hidden areas of our heart and life. Lord, that today we would be refreshed, forgiven, restored, given joy and peace, Lord, that we can't even imagine. And Father, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.